great to be here with you this morning, great to be worshiping with you, and here to make much of Jesus Christ, may we constantly be celebrating our King. May He get all the glory. And all of God's people said, don't miss that. Church, it is all about making sure we rally together to celebrate the greatness of Jesus Christ, every facet of what we go after. And we're in a series here called Summit Values. Summit values. These are the six core values of this place and how we're going after taking this biblical truth and bringing it to bear in our personal life and as a church together as we rally together. Six different core values that can light us up on fire for Christ, where we can belong, pursue, and experience our living God with all we've got. So we launched this series, Summit Values. We talked about uh, preaching that we preach boldly, and it's not just how the preacher brings it, but it's also how we come in here ready to receive it. May God get all the glory. This is his word. Lord, I'm ready to hear from you, preaching boldly. And then last week, we were looking at worship authentically, what it means to bring all of me to the table in celebration of my king. Nothing held back. I am ready to worship and praise him. And now today we're going to be looking at praying dependently, praying dependently. So do me a favor, turn with me if you will to John chapter 15, John chapter 15 and uh, starting in verse 1 and we're going to talk about what it means to pray dependently, what it means to lean on our God and have prayer in the midst of that, okay? First point, first step, if we're going to go after praying dependently is stay in Jesus, and draw life from him. Stay in Jesus and draw life from him. We're picking this up in John chapter 15. Now the reality is Jesus has started talking to them about the Holy Spirit that started in John chapter 14. And he's beginning to communicate with him that he's going away and there's gonna be this place being made and prepared for them. And while he's gone, the comforter is coming and there's gonna be this hope in the Holy Spirit and all that's going on in that. And now he's beginning to shape for them what it's gonna look like to have life in Christ and how it goes forward from there. And I'll just say this, back in John chapter 13, uh, verses 10 and 11, he's talking to the disciples and he says, but you are clean. He's talking to the disciples. He says, you are clean, We're going to see that word come up here today twice, and uh, you are clean, and then he says, but not all of you. He was talking to the disciples, and he knew that Judas was in the midst, and that Judas had some things going on that needed to be worked on, and and so he was kind of setting it up. Most of you are getting this, and one of you is missing this, and this needs to be grasped, and then he talked about the hope of the Holy Spirit, and now he's moving into life in Christ. What does it mean to pray dependently? What does it mean to live dependently on our king? Here we go. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, there you hear it again, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Let's just hold on that. Now, it doesn't say how Jesus came up with this, but the reality is Jesus is the master of the metaphor. Like he knows how to bring an example. 
And so as he's walking along with them, you can only imagine as he's moving along, they're coming past these vines, these grapevines that are all over the place in Israel, coming across it. Maybe there's even somebody working the vine and pruning it right there. And he points over to the vines and he draws attention to this real world example in their life that they're very used to. And he's like, let's learn a little bit of that and how that applies into your relationship with me. He says, I am the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. Who's the true vine? Don't miss that. The source of the life being drawn up out and to be handed out to you and to me, the vine, the source that hands it out is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. That means gardener or the one working the vines, the pruner, the one making sure it's going to grow well. The father is the vine dresser. He's managing the exterior, if you will, those circumstances and situations around it as he's doing the pruning and the managing as a gardener. And the vine is managing the internals, right? And you can hear it's like, we've got the whole thing covered. Like, I am the vine. And my father is the vine dresser. He says, every branch in me, everybody say in me, right? That's a really huge deal that we grasp. And it's very subtle and you can miss it if you read quickly. But the difference between in me and not in me is massive, right? The in me is I am saved. I believe. I am trusting in him. I believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. I believe, right? That's, we've got clarity to salvation now that he has made clear in Romans that if we grasp he is risen from the dead, if we confess him as Lord, that we are saved. Those two things are required. Believe he is risen, confess him as Lord, saved. Like confess him as Lord, not like, hey, it's really great that you want to forgive me, go ahead and do that, but I'm going to do my own thing. Everybody say, not that. Right? I'm talking like, Lord, you're in charge. God, you get my soul. I am worshiping you. Take over. Right? Now, Jesus had yet to go to the cross here. So as he's speaking to them, he's saying, you're going to need to be in me. You're going to need to be trusting me on this. He's beginning to set them up for this salvation experience and this walk with Christ that's going to go forward. And that's a huge deal that he's saying, you need to grasp who I am. Every branch in me, believing and having faith in him and leaning on him, that does not bear fruit. It says he actually takes away. And so now we have this situation going on of some, some working with and some gardening with that's taking place. It says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that he may bear more fruit. And so now we have the gardener coming in and beginning to prune and bear fruit is a part of the product here. Please hear me. The pruning has the goal of bringing more fruit. Uh, the pruning has a goal. The pruning is not punishment. The pruning is to bring more fruit. May God get all the glory. And, and he's longing to be able to see more fruit come as he works in our lives. Every branch that does not bear fruit he's taking away every branch that does bear fruit he prunes the father having a work here and man, we need to understand that the father is pruning in our lives God does a work in us as he shapes us and it's really important that we begin to grasp God doing a work in me as I'm attached to the vine and drawing life from Christ some will say if you are in Christ 
everything will go perfectly. Right? Health, wealth, prosperity, gospel. If you believe, if you have the right kind of faith, man, it's all going to roll your way. Right? It's legit to say that's bunk. Right? That is just not real, man. That is not scripture, and that isn't even close. In fact, what we see instead is if we are actually living in him and growing in him, he's going to bring a pruning that brings more growth and more fruit. And how does our father prune? Well, let's just say it this way. How does God prune? Here's four different things I came up with at least. Here's four. Uh, God prunes by allowing trials. By allowing trials. Now, a trial is something where it just washed on your shore. Like, you're not even responsible for it. It's not that you did something wrong. It's just something happened in your life. It washed on your shore. This is a broken world. Everybody say it's a broken world. And some of that brokenness washed on your shore. A trial, right? And he does. He allows trials in moments to be able to bring us through, to be able to wake us up to what matters, to be able to show us how to lean on him, to be able to lovingly, tenderly, caringly walk us through to a greater faith in our God. Your God loves you. And as he walks with you through a very hard moment, you might be in here today and you're like, dude, I'm in one of those moments. Please hear me. Your God loves you with all he's got. And he's walking with you through this as he's carefully growing you up that you might look more like Christ, that you might bear more fruit. There's going to be a growing one degree at a time. And all of God's people said, if we trust in Jesus Christ and we're walking with him, we should allow for the understanding that trials will wash on our shore. It's a part of God's pruning. But more than just allowing trials, he does allow consequences. He allows consequences. This is different. This is where you've done something wrong, and so the next thing happening to you is because of what you did or said or didn't do. This is the I'm responsible, and this is the follow-through. God is actually allowing you to experience some of the cost of the sin you're involved with, and it needs to go. And he, in a very loving fashion, is saying, we need to let go of that. And so there's allowing of consequences that may be also coming into your life. But it's because of something you've done, something you've done wrongly, and that needs to actually be addressed. He's beginning to teach you we don't want to be living there. That's not going to go well. Again, remember, the pruning is always about bringing more fruit a teaching to let go of some sin or selfishness and a longing to grab onto him. May God get all the glory. May he truly be celebrated and lifted up. And he allows trials. He allows consequences. Uh, there's another thing that he uses to prune. He actually takes his word and he illuminates. The illuminating of the word of God, the making clear the word of God. That is actually a pruning moment in your life. Did you know that? We're actually going to see it come up here right next in this passage. The pruning moment of God's word making clear what he's thinking, where he's headed, why he's going there, and how he's calling you along that journey and that path. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what God's thinking. And a little pruning moment just happened. And this is where we're headed. 
And now I'm starting to get it, God. This is what I need to let go of. This is how I need to lean on you. And as his word starts to become real in your life, a little bit of snipping in just the right spots, and all of a sudden there is more growth, more flourishing taking place. And uh, he allows trials, he allows consequences. There's the illuminating of the word that happens. And then the last one, and he pours on the Holy Spirit. He pours on the Holy Spirit. We're actually told that the Holy Spirit's glory pouring onto us transforms us one degree of glory at a time. Did you know that? That you are actually changed not because you tried so hard, but because the Spirit's glory is pouring on. I'm telling you, the secret to real heart change is you worshiping the Spirit and God Almighty and the Holy Spirit bringing in change to your life. And yes, there's cooperation that is a part of it and those things help for things to be a more effective journey as you start to live it out. But I'm telling you, a heart faking it doesn't get it done. I'm just going to do this. Doesn't, everybody say that doesn't work. Right? It works for maybe six or seven weeks if you want to give it a try. We've seen that a lot in biblical counseling. You can get uh, close to a couple months out, a little short of a couple months, and it train wrecks. It doesn't last the goal is to be able to say, Lord God, I long to hear from you in your word. I long to worship you. Holy Spirit, this is a part of you that is so awesome. The truth of God and the character of God. And as you celebrate that character and you lift him up, he literally pouring on that aspect of his glory into your life as you grasp more of him. And you literally start having that part of your heart transformed. It is a supernatural moment. If you're doing it, it is a natural moment. Got it? We're looking for a supernatural moment of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, the pruning that takes place from God, and he pours on the Holy Spirit. Man, pruning, shaping, changing, growing, it's a part of what we're called to be as we're in the vine. As we believe in Jesus Christ, as we trust in Jesus Christ, may we go along a journey where he's literally shaping us. Like, maybe you're already starting to say the words, but it's kind of typical that as you get a little bit older, you're like, well, that's just who I am. So can I be a little blunt? Well, change that. <laughs> Give that over to the Lord and watch God shift that. Watch it move as you say, I'm not holding on to that. I'll say something that I've said in my home a lot. God doesn't give sin as a personality. God doesn't give sin as a personality. That's who I am. Well, if it's sin, that's not who you are. That's a bent of who you are. Let's get the bent out, right? God doesn't give sin as a personality. Let's long for him to make me the best me I can be for glorifying him. May he get all the glory. And all of God's people said, man, a commitment to growth is everything. May God get all the glory. All right. He says here that, uh, and the Father prunes that it may bear more fruit. Growth is the goal. He says, already you are clean. Now, just so we're clear, the word prune that was just used, the Father prunes, and this word clean, they're the same word in the Greek. It's the exact same word. He's saying, you're already pruned. And when it says before the father prunes, he's cleaning, he's changing, he's transforming, he's growing you up. The clean and the pruned are the same thing. 
the Father doing a work in. And have you ever pruned a bush and when you get done, it just looks a little tighter. It looks cleaner, right? You can see it kind of a tight packaged look there. And some of you are looking at me like, dude, I've never pruned a bush in my life. <laughs> have you ever gone out to those green things in front of your house, you know? And you're like, the pruning, it's a part of the work of making sure that it actually ends up looking clean and good along the way. He says, already you are clean. Why? Because of the word that I have spoken to you. Hear that? The pruning work in the disciples' life was the very words of Jesus Christ pouring into them. Can you imagine the privilege of spending several years walking along with Jesus, watching him do miracles, watching him give the view that the Father has into this world as they're being shaped by him, as he's calling them across to believing in him as Messiah, and they are getting rocked by him, and they're getting in with him. And as they're getting fired up, they're getting pruned, and they're getting cleaned, and God is doing a work, and they're getting prepped for going after growth with him in this world. May God get all the glory. He's like, I'm telling you, you've come a long way. He says, abide in me, abide in me, literally draw life from me. You're the branch, I'm the vine, draw life from me. If you clip a branch off and you set it beside the vine or the bush or whatever, and it sits there for a while, it dies. It doesn't work to not draw life from the vine. Our goal is to say, Lord, I long to draw from you. I need to know of you. I need to worship you. Please hear me. This is not a call to action. This is a call to relationship. Abide with him. To know him, to relate to him, to share with him, to be able to communicate throughout a day with him, to be able to hear from your God in a way that begins to shape your life. Abide in me and I in you. He's like, man, I long to relate to you. He's talking to his disciples here, but he's like, I'm telling you, I'm going to be pouring into your life. Connect into me. Draw life from me. I'm going to be doing some things in you you would not believe. Let's have a relationship together here that is life-altering. Man, do you know of a walk with Jesus Christ that is nothing more than ritualistic steps? Like, there's nothing wrong with this, but I read my Bible. Check. Right? I, I said some words of prayer. Check. Like, it isn't just actions. It's sitting down with the God who wrote this Bible and saying, Lord, as I'm reading your words, rock my world with what I need to hear from you now. I'm ready to be stirred by you. Man, make sure your time in the Word isn't factual reading of words on a page. It is not informational. It is relational. And that is life-altering. Don't read to be able to pass quizzes. Read to be able to know your God and have Him be able to pour into you. Abide in Him and Him in you. And all of God's people said, it's a huge difference of approach, man. As you go to open your word, we are just like, Lord, rock my world with who you are. I'm ready to see you now. And you start reading that passage and you're looking for a huge God statement. And as you find it, you're like, this is my God. 
I love this about you. That changes everything for your time in the word. May God truly stun you with who he is. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Like I'm telling you, you don't get many apples off of the apple tree branch when you cut it off the tree, right? That's what he's saying. It's a no-duh statement. Like, Lord, I long to connect with you. I think all too often we think the fruit in our life is our fruit, and that's why we think it'll work. We're like, I can muscle this. I can make it look like that, and maybe we can even dress up the outside so it looks a little like it, but that's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, oh, you whitewashed tombs. It looks good on the outside, but death inside. That's not what we're going after. May we stay connected to Jesus Christ. May we long to abide in him and may he do an amazing work in and through us. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. May we draw life from him. Man, I can't say this enough. If you've been born and raised in the church, if you have been around a, maybe a more legalistic upbringing, if you have learned the disciplines of the walk, but not the relationship of the walk, please hear me today. It's time to set that down. And it's time to pick up, Lord, I long to meet you. Relationship. Abide in him. Man, those works and those steps are great. They can work you towards getting to know him, but if it's not connecting and relating to him along the way, it's just an informational walk. May God get the glory, okay? And then he says here, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown in the fire and burned. He's like, picture, picture a gardener. What does he do with the branches that are dead? Well, you cut those out and you throw them away. In fact, they just get burned up. And now some will look at this metaphor and they're like, that doesn't sound good. Like fire and so maybe this means, you know, hell and like a loss of salvation. Is that what this is? And, and I would just be really careful with that. I would say this, there are three different interpretations for what's going on with this passage. And uh, one of them is, this is believers losing their salvation. They just kind of weren't acting well. I don't think that's what it is. And I'll just tell you, I don't think that's what it is because if you go to other passages like John chapter six, it says, whom the father draws will come. There isn't a got saved and then kind of wandered away from it. Romans chapter eight, it says, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The end of Romans eight there, it says, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Ephesians one says that we have an inheritance sealing our inheritance is the Holy Spirit. Guarantee. Man, I just, that doesn't work. There are too many other passages that are major problematic moments if you go that route. I don't think that's what this is saying. And so then there's also, well, this could be believers losing reward. Like it's not a loss of salvation, but it's certainly a loss of fruitfulness, right? The whole thing is about fruit and fruit coming to reward. This could be a loss of reward. And this could also be they're not saved. Like it could be the, the Jewish people, Israelites or something like that that are a part of it, but they're not believing in Jesus Christ and never were saved. And they're just being pulled away from that. Whatever it is, it's one of those. Can we just agree with this? It's, it's not good. Can we agree with that? 
and whichever way we go, and it doesn't mean loss of salvation. And so whichever way you go with it, I guarantee this, we really need to long to be on the other side. Lord, make me fruitful. God, may I abide, and I know you take it seriously. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal that we grasp that our God is doing some pruning work, and he longs for us to be fruitful. May God get all the glory. Man, may we abide in him. May we relate to him. May we connect to him. May he truly get all the glory. So uh, this past weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, I was actually over uh, in Indianapolis, took uh, four of our leader team guys from Amplify, and we went to a men's event over in Indianapolis at uh, Harvest Indy West. And uh, I was actually speaking at that. I spoke there on Saturday morning and then was a part of a panel later on that morning. So I was kind of helping run that event with them over there and, and uh, do kind of like what we do here with our men's gatherings where we do an, an evening of worship and preaching and, and some time together in the Word and celebrating our God and getting it amped up. And, and so they were doing that for kind of a Friday night and Saturday morning piece with their guys there. I was helping out with that. And, and just a sweet moment to see a couple hundred guys rallied together and everybody fired up walking in saying, let's get pumped about Jesus Christ. And man, as we began to walk through the word, as we had all the different worship pieces, just a sweet time of being able to celebrate. I ended up in one of the preach pieces I had was just sharing a little bit of what's been going on in our life and some of the struggle we've had with, you know, the brain tumor piece and how God is so answered into that. And and I had somebody come up afterwards that said, you know, we're just really wrestling. Um, my young son, he's in his 20s and just diagnosed with and here's what's going on and just tears coming down his eyes as we talk there. And he's like, how do we go about handling this? And uh, please hear me, man. To be able to take moments where the trials and the consequences and the wrestlings of this world lead us back to our God. That's everything. Where we come back to our king and we're saying, Lord God, I long to abide in you no matter what's going on. May I trust in you. May I draw life from you. Lord, may I worship you. And uh, maybe you have everything going well in your life right now, which is awesome. Praise God for that. Man, be celebrating your king and coming to him saying, Lord Jesus, you are king of the universe. Man, you speak and this world exists. You hold it together by your very presence and perfection. I'm here to worship you. As I come before you now in your word, rock me with who you are. I'm ready to worship you. And that's abiding as we draw life from him and hear from his word. Simply put, how are you doing? Abiding. How are you doing it? Daily, actual worship. Making much of your God. And spend time with your king. Please hear me on this. This is not a shame moment. This isn't the, well, I'm not doing well. Now I feel terrible about myself. <laughs> isn't that how it goes? And it, not that. Your God is sitting there so ready to hear from you. Picture a father with his child. And the child hasn't spent much time with the dad or been sharing something. And then all of a sudden realizes that. You think the dad's like, dude, don't want to hear from you now. 
No way. Like the child comes over, climbs up in your lap and says, Dad, can I just tell you something going on? Yes, I want to hear what's going on. Man, get back to your God and spend time with him. Make much of your king. No matter where you've been, time to come back to saying, Lord God, you get all of me. I'm in. And all of God's people said, all right. Second point, if we're going to pray dependently, while abiding, pray to your father and ask what you wish. While abiding, pray to your father and ask what you wish. This is actually the whole pray dependently is right here in these two verses as it comes together. And uh, he says, if you abide in me, right, if, right, everybody say if, we understand that conditional, right? When somebody says, if you do this, then this, it's not a guarantee, it's a conditional. We all get that, right? It's a, everybody say, it's a conditional. Okay, super important, we grasp that. I've heard this verse so misquoted. If you abide in me, if you spend time relating to your God, if you hear from him, if you are learning from him, if you are growing in him, if you are being pruned by the Father, if you look more like Christ tomorrow than you do today, if you're like, I long to hear from you and give you my life. If you are abiding in him and hearing from him and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Here's what some of you just heard. Magic genie. (laughs) I knew it. There's a trick. If I do it this way, I can get whatever I want. And uh, everybody say, not that. Okay, really important that we get this. If we're abiding in him and we're drawing life from him and we're drawing his value statements and his purpose statements and we're all about what he's about, then when we go to ask, what's going to come out of us is this transforming, shaping, we're a little different, we look more like him, we're grasping what our God wants. He's like, as you abide with me, you're going to get where I'm going. And as you get that, you're going to be asking out and the answer is going to be so much more, yes, that's where I'm headed. Draw life from me, get where I'm headed, come with me on the journey and see what God's doing. This is not a way for you to hijack the will of God. This is you finding a way to get in line with the will of God and grasp what's going on and be so fulfilled in the midst of your prayer life because you are grasping the greatness of your God. He's changing you. And as you see things needing to be done and you cry out for them, God is so on board with that. And you're like, this is amazing. There is nothing more fulfilling than being able to pray powerfully and see God answer hugely. I'm telling you it's huge, but all too often we try to skip the if part. I'm not going to do any abiding. I'm not going to have your words abide in me, but man, am I going to bang on that door and ask for you to do something for me. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. If we abide with him and his words abide in us, then there's an asking that starts to go to huge, huge answered prayer. May God get all the glory. Okay, now hear me. There's moments where we have a very real abiding with our God and a very real palpable feel of something going on in this world and we're like, Lord, here's where I'm at and I'm wrestling with this and I would long to see it this way, but I'm giving this to you, right? Like this is Jesus saying, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will be done, your will be done. Those are the moments of continued abiding. 
And when you get to that moment where you're like, I see it like this, I want this. You seem to be seeing it like this. We're in a precipice moment. Do we stay abiding? Your will be done. Or do we break the abiding? Please give it to me. Now. Man, if our prayers become demands, we're breaking the abiding moment. And we're losing out on all the privilege. May we hang with our king. He knows what's going on. He knows better than me. He knows better than you. He knows what's going on. Trust your king. And all of God's people said, abide in me. And my words abide in you. And then you can ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Here's what I find interesting. He actually is talking about bearing fruit and then he goes to asking in prayer and getting answer to prayer and he goes right back to bearing fruit. Almost as if to say, really, if you're abiding with your God, the longing of your heart will be, Lord, what needs to change in me that I might bear more fruit? Not, Lord, what will make this more comfortable? Right? When we're breaking our abiding, we become comfort experts. You know what I mean? Where you get in this brand new car with these great leather seats and you're like, I would have made it a little softer. I don't know. And we start getting really critical of every little facet of the, you know what I mean? Let's be careful. Breaking abiding makes us more aware of our comfort levels. Staying in our abiding makes us more aware of our fruit levels. May God get all the glory. It's a huge deal. Okay? All right. So that said, uh, you know I love deer hunting. If you've been around here at all, you've heard me talk about that over the years. So this was a great year of bow hunting uh, for me. I ended up, I won't put a deer picture up, don't worry. For those of you who are not deer hunters, don't sweat it. But I uh, got a monster buck, uh, just a huge deer a couple weeks back, which was a blast. Ended up seeing him on trail camps for a couple nights and, and so got out there. He was on daylight hours right around 5 o'clock, got out there and was able to get a 30-yard shot at this huge deer and uh, went to drag it. Yeah, that boy wasn't moving, man. Huge deer. So called in a friend and uh, uh, Jeff Klaffenstein came out and the two of us kind of took this 300-pound deer and dragged it out 20 yards at a time exhausted and getting more aware of our age every moment as we're pulling this thing. So we got that thing out. Awesome deer. Loved to be able to get that. It was a couple weeks back on a Friday night. And, uh, and then I got a call from Jeff the next week and he's like, dude, I put down and there was a huge deer that we've been watching. And he put this deer down and he's like, man, I, we got to go get it out. And so we went to go get this thing out, ended up pulling that deer out bigger than mine rack wise and uh, maybe a little smaller body, but bigger than mine rack wise, just huge. Deer. I got to point that out, right? <laughs> just huge. And uh, huge rack deer. And we end up getting this thing out. There were actually four of us that got that thing out of there. And uh, I'm on my way home. And so I had gone off. They were going to go take it off to the locker and stuff. And I'm driving home and uh, kind of country roads on the way back out and, and uh, my phone kind of hit a bump and my phone started coming out of the cup holder. So I reached down and I grabbed the phone off the cup holder and I'm starting to pull it back up and I'm like, I start to pull it up. See my left hand? I start to pull it up and I look up and I've caught, the truck is starting to veer right and I'm into the shoulder. It's a little country road with a little shoulder and the whole thing starts, I start to fishtail it at 60 miles an hour and it throws me down into the dip 
And, I, and it, now it's about 20 degrees back then, so I hit the dip at about 60, 50, 60 miles an hour, and shards of ice are flying up out of this frozen pond as I'm plowing through it now, prowling through and water and ice pouring up, and I'm slowing it down. I'm like, ah, and I start to kind of get it, right it up. And then, you know those driveways that come across, like the little culvert? And so I start to get it up just in time, and I hit the edge of the driveway, and I'm airborne. <laughs> Chuck is up airborne. First time I've been airborne in my F-150. You know, it worked. It was in airborne. Hit the driveway, come down the other side, crash into the ditch on the other side. And it's, you know, again, it's not a deep ditch, but crash down in, hit there, shards of ice going. Now I'm taking out all living plant life, just tearing it up into my bushes or into my, uh, my bumper as I'm tearing these bushes up. And I can feel the truck starting to turn. I'm going to roll. Like, I can tell it's going to roll. And if you drive a truck, you know, don't ever turn to where you want to go. Turn into the roll. Stop it. So I turn into the roll, which of course then throws me back down into the ditch at about 50 miles an hour. Now I'm slowing down in the water. I get it down to about 25 as I come up out and I'm like, you know, you let go of the wheel and you're like, and I survived. <laughs> I, uh, I'm kind of surprised actually that I didn't roll this thing. And, and now I'm like, I wonder what damage I did. This is going to be expensive, right? Those are your first two things. Like, I'm alive. How much is it going to cost, you know? And like, I'm like, what did I do to this thing? And as I'm driving along, I like let go of the wheel and it's just dead straight. It's, there's nothing shatter, shimmering in it, nothing, I, no bump. Everything seems to be fine. I look at the tailgate like it had to be bad. No, rock solid. I pull into the town. Besides the fact that I had vegetation coming out all over. <laughs> People are like, that dude off-roads, you know? <laughs> and uh, I'm pulling that stuff out and... Uh, Everything seems fine, I think. We'll see. It's been a week and a half. It's still driving well. Uh, thank the Lord I was driving an F-150. If I was driving my wife's car, I'd be talking to you from the hospital. You know what I'm saying? You get these little cars, you run right into that culvert, and it's over. And, and uh, man, just a sweet moment of God protecting. And it, all it took was one moment of taking my eye off and putting it over on the phone, and I was off the ditch and down in. And uh, simple question. Man, when it comes to your prayer life, have you taken your eye off of the road of abiding? I'm telling you, when it comes to prayer and the power of prayer and the life-altering moment of prayer, it is about abiding. Stay on the road. Stay tight and focused on this. It is relationship with our Savior. May he get all the glory. How are you doing at abiding and then asking and seeing God answer prayer prolifically along the way? May God get all the glory. Point number three, obey. Obey Jesus and follow Jesus' commandments. Obey Jesus and follow his commandments. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Grasp that. As the Father loves the Son. As God the Father loves God the Son, so God the Son loves you. An absolutely stunning, perfect love of you. Jesus Christ loves you with all he's got. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
What is it that you should be looking for and drawing from God as you get alone with him? His love. He loves you with all he's got. Purpose and plan and goal and guidance, all of it love. Abide in his love. He says, the Father loves me and I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you're trying to wonder what it looks like, how do I come across the fence on engaging me in this abiding now? Like, yes, listen well to your God, but how do I begin to engage? It's obey the commandments he's giving you of love. Now, please hear me. It's so easy to go, okay, fine. So we're right back to it. I'll just do what I'm supposed to do and we're done. No. Literally grasp that the commands being given are I love you statements. I love you too much to let you hurt yourself statements. Come join me in this. The purpose of going after each of these steps is, Lord, I want to strive in relating to you. Not fine, I did it. I long to relate to you. Obeying his commandments is literally abiding in his love. He says, just as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. He's like, obey like I'm obeying. God the son taking guidance from God the father and allowing the will of the father to lead while he was on this earth here. He said, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Please hear me. Are you wrestling with joy? Are you wrestling and struggling with a despair that's coming on and a lack of satisfaction in this world? Best definition for joy, satisfaction despite the circumstances, joy. Are you wrestling with joy? A celebration of your God no matter what's going on. Remember, he allows trials to wash on. He allows circumstances to come in. They're pruning moments. Lord God, may I not make my joy align with the circumstances. May I make my joy align with you as you lead me through a journey of change. Are you willing to take these steps with your God? May he truly get all the joy, the glory as he gives you his joy. This is a huge deal. His joy in your life. And then notice what he says last. That your joy may be full. That your joy may be what? Full. Don't miss that. Not partial, not kinda. Full. Filled to the top, spilling over deep satisfaction in your God. I'm just gonna say this in a real quick moment, all right? Let's be really careful here. Like there are a couple of different parts of us. We are so complex as human beings and we do have this chemical, physical world that goes on in us. And as our hormones go all over the place and as we're sick or whatever, it can tend to drag us down. And we have to be careful. Make sure you know and understand what's going on biochemically, what's going on inside physically here. Okay, that is a part of what has to be managed. And when you start talking about things like despair and and anxiety and depression. There can be things going on biochemically. Nobody's saying anything against that. Make sure you're getting medical help. But please hear me. It isn't just and only, and it's almost never just and only physical. 
There's something going on in my heart that is making me bent towards and longing to think like, and Lord God, may I begin to put you more at the center of this. And please hear me, this isn't a shame moment, right? Don't take it that way. That's Satan moving in right now and going, ah, we're going to try to, nobody doing the should right now. Everybody stop with should, right? Everybody say no should. Okay. The word should can collapse our soul. This is privilege. We have the opportunity we have a God who is right here with us. He knows everything about us. He loves us without anything holding back. He's pouring it in with all he's got. He says, I'm going to walk with you on that. I'm here with you. Take a step with me. One hopeful step. And all of God's people said, abiding. And asking in prayer as we pray dependently. May God get the glory. So I just want to say this. As we go to pray, let's just talk a moment about prayer. There's a lot of different ways to pray. And so I'm just going to throw something at you a little different today, okay? Think of it this way. Think of hand motions. Think of prayer as first part, hands in the air. Second part, hands on heart. Third part, hands down in receiving. Hands in the air. You are awesome. Prayer. Three parts to it. You are awesome. I need to let some things go. Please forgive me. Lord God, I'm ready to receive. Here's what I'm handing to you. I long for you to have your way. You are awesome. Please forgive me. I'd love to receive from you. Right? Adoration, admission, and ask. Asking. May God get the glory. Hands in the air, hands on the heart, hands receiving. That is an unbelievable abiding prayer. So as we go to prayer now, we're going to do a little of that, okay? This may be beyond your comfort zone. Everybody's eyes are closed. Don't worry about it. We're going to go to a prayer where we practice putting our body in the same position as our heart, okay? Let's pray. 